Welcome to AEC Marketing for Principals, brought to you by Smartages, where we help design and construction firms navigate sales and leverage marketing to win more projects. Here are your hosts, Katie Cash and Judy Sparks. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in this week for the AEC Marketing for Principals podcast. Today, I am talking with Katie Fisher, the Senior Director of America's Field Marketing for JLL, and I am super excited to have a fellow marketer and also fellow Katie on the show with us today. So Katie, thanks and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I know JLL is a really well-known brand across the design and construction industry. You know, the firm has been around for a very long time, but for those that might be listening that are a little unfamiliar with all the service offerings underneath the JLL umbrella, could you share a little bit about what it is that JLL does and maybe a little bit about your role as the Senior Director of America's Field Marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So JLL stands for Jones and LaSalle, and we are a large firm, a Fortune 500 firm um, across the globe. And outside of our project and construction and design um, products, we also do facilities management and transaction and lease administration as well as consulting. So if you think about the major markets in the world, uh, if you live and work there, you may actually be sitting in a JLL managed building today to kind of simplify um, what we do. And then as far as my role, so I work on our occupier, owner and occupier side of the business, which we call corporate solutions. And I oversee the America's field marketing team, as you said. So what we're really focusing on is client loyalty and retention uh, for our major accounts, as well as growth from our scaling accounts into more of our large enterprise accounts. So that's where account-based marketing comes in. Um, and that's where we really where we've developed our account-based marketing programs is really how to grow those maybe single X or two X accounts into multi-X product accounts. And I have to say, you know, I was super, super excited when I was at the ABM Innovation Summit. And, you know, I see on the agenda, someone from the AEC industry speaking and kind of blazing a trail for other professional services out there, really adopting um, what the B2B world has been using for years, this account-based marketing philosophy. But it was so refreshing and so also inspiring to see you and your team doing it and sharing your success stories um, on the stage while we were at that event, I was just I was just really impressed by what all you guys are doing, and really that's that's kind of what led me to reach out to you about being on the podcast today is sharing a little bit of what that journey looked like and kind of how you got there, how you made it to that decision to to take what has really been heavily rooted for hundreds of years, you know, if you want to argue thousands of years when you argue that design and construction were the first, you know, real trades in the world. But, you know, it's always been relationship-driven sales model. And here you have a global brand like JLL kind of turning that model on its head, doing account-based marketing and generating marketing qualified leads through through ABM. So I would, you know, first want to applaud you for that. And then also would just love for you to share a little bit of your story at what became that tipping point where you decided to try something different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that at the root of what we're doing, we're still looking at it as, um, you know, turning marketing qualified leads over to sales and and kind of warming up those relationships so that they can build those relationships rather than going in cold. And that's something that was very, very new for JLL. Um, We typically didn't look at marketing as a, you know, demand generation engine in and of itself played a role, but not from the way that we face it today with account-based marketing and and even broad-based marketing. Uh, We really did 
take a refined look at what that meant for our business. Um, and the way that kind of shaped out is that we had new leadership that took a look at our organization and said, we can be more aligned with sales in the business and how we're going to grow. And that really was the catalyst for turning it on its head. And we revamped everything. We went from kind of jack of all trades and, um, you know, being very product centered into moving towards being very client-centered, which has been really refreshing. And we still have really great product marketing and product management, but we partner a lot better. And our ecosystem um, is aligned in a much more um, partnership way than it was before. So um, with all of that, we said, you know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to drive demand? We had a lot of really great people already in the field that um, are now on my team for the field marketing team. Um, And we all, you know, really just dove into ABM. Uh, I became a certified expert and I got all of my teams trained. We worked with industry best in class partners to help us in our journey. Um, And we just Start, went about educating people. And that's that was really the catalyst for it. We said, all right, we need to change. This is how we're going to change. So let's educate our stakeholders and bring them along in the journey so that it's not being done to them, but it's being done with them as a true business partner. Well, and I love, you know, what you just said there, kind of this idea of becoming more client-centric. And I think all too often, you know, we see it time and time again working with a lot of our clients, but a lot of design and construction firms fall subject to always chasing projects, you know, which mm-hmm. is always reactive. You know, you're trying to figure out where the money's coming from and, you know, trying to figure out where that project is in the development timeline. And then you put all your eggs in that basket and you may or may not get it. And what you're talking about is really about being proactive, being that partner and being client centric and putting, you know, your efforts on those clients that are going to be in a position to hire you time and time again and build that long-standing relationship. And I I feel like that, you know, people often just go for that immediate gratification of, but yeah, but there's a project right here, right now down the street from me. Um, but it might be a one-time client, right? And so what you guys are doing is really, really nice that you're really investing in that partnership. And, and again, just focusing your marketing and sales efforts on those high volume, you know, high value accounts. Um, maybe, maybe that's a good way for us to talk a little bit into, so you decided to roll out account-based marketing. Um, what made you decide internally, like, hey, we're going to pilot it and maybe just do it for a corporate solutions group instead of maybe one of your other divisions? Well, I think that we had the leadership at the time within corporate solutions to do it. So, um, you know, we're a big organization. We have 90,000 people in the Americas alone. I think we have like 400 marketers um, and, and there's various different areas of our business. The corporate solutions side um, just seemed like the best place because we had the buy-in. We had the buy-in from our marketing leadership and we had the buy-in from the business, but we really decided to pilot rather than trying to do it at scale because we didn't know if it would work. And you have to start somewhere and prove it before you can say, now I need more money and more investment, um, which is obviously the what we face as marketers. But it allowed us to be like, you know, this is what we're seeing. This is our big bet. Um, you know, and this is why you should invest in this program and in us in order to grow and scale. And now not only 
are we across all of the Americas for corporate solutions, but we're moving into our mid-cap markets as well for launching account-based marketing programs. And I'm, I'm helping those marketing teams with the launch of their programs as well. Um, so it really has taken off as a big bet strategy for our firm, but it's nice because it's not like this is the marketing goal and this is what marketing is doing. This is an aligned business strategy and aligned business goal. Um, we only will do account-based marketing with stakeholders and with business units um, that have signed on and that believe in it are going to you know, push it from the top down um, because that's where you're going to see the success. And that's where we need to focus our effort and resources. And I think that's super, super helpful for our listeners out there that often keep, you know, sales and marketing, even business unit leaders kind of in their own silos, in their own lanes, if you will. You know, the sales team, you know, go out there, have dinner, play golf, do whatever it is. Marketing team, you know, typically in our industry always gets, you know, put on blast for just doing proposals and maybe some some trade show planning. And then you have your business unit leaders trying to figure out how in the world they're going to get the work done. Um, but here, kind of, you're bringing all that together. You're getting everybody rallied around into the philosophy and saying, "Hey, this is this is going to be a team effort. And if we don't have support from the top, you know, we're really not. We're kind of, you know, fighting an uphill battle. It's not worth it. Um, but when you get everybody buying in and kind of everybody orchestrated together, it sounds like you have achieved some pretty quick success, some um, some wins. If I'm hearing you correctly, and that now you're starting to to roll it out to other markets and to other units. What was what, how have you been measuring it? Like for some of our novice business unit leaders or, or principals that might be listening, like how are you measuring it? Yeah, it's a great question. We actually have a really long sales cycle within our corporate solutions business. So we have to start by measuring your typical vanity metrics that show engagement, that show traction. Um, and we also started tracking actual demand units and decision makers. So who is engaging? Were there more titles within a decision maker title that were engaging versus others? Um, were we able to achieve traction at higher levels within an organization where we didn't previously have relationships? Um, so those were all kind of metrics that we started to track to show success. Obviously, marketing qualified leads, sales accepted leads, and closed booked revenue is you know the end goal and the Sure. Where we're driving traction. But for us, it's been, how are we building the pipeline? So of the things we've passed through, how many of those have really gone into our pipeline um, in order to be converted and that we continue to work and continue to stay close with sales in order to drive it either towards a contract without an RFP or towards RFP. So those have been really kind of the catalyst metrics. What I will say is for now that we're moving more into the, the mid-cap area of our business um, where the services can be more transactional um, and we can sell into them multiple times, those are shorter selling times. So we're hoping to see an uptick in the uh, funnel velocity. Um, in those areas, we have seen an uptick in our funnel velocity in corporate solutions as well, but it's still, there's still a lot that's pending, I would say, um, for closed booked revenue. Um, so we're still on that journey, um, but we're starting to really measure it more towards the pipeline and, you know, how how we're engaging with specific demand units um, in order to replicate how we approach account-based marketing and continue to approach it um, down the road. So when you talk about, you know, long sales cycles, short sales cycles, um, just to give some perspective, what does that timeline look like? On the long end, what would you define as a long sales cycle? 18 to 24 months. 18 to 24 months. Okay. 
That's helpful. And then on the short side, is it, you know, a matter of months still? Yeah, anywhere from two to six months, I would say, is some of our shorter, more transactional um, products. And and really, we've started to develop a methodology of trying to get our foot in the door with some of those shorter sales cycles um, in order to try to, you know, gain the trust and build the relationship and then try to move them into some of our longer, more revenue producing um, product channels. That's awesome. So I remember when we were together out in San Francisco at the ABM Innovation Summit, you, you spoke about, you know, trying to break the habit of going from quote unquote, you know, random acts of marketing to really being more targeted plays um, mapped towards your target audience. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what did that look like? What did that feel like in the trenches as you were trying to really change the marketing philosophies and practices at JLL? Yeah. And I mean, I, I only oversee like one piece of it, right? So right. I speak to that element of it, but you know, there was a lot of, we have really great needy thought leadership. And so, you know, we got to get the thought leadership out, but rather than it being a quality, um, you know, client loyalty aspect, it was a kind of throw it to everyone and see what sticks, but you would be sending it to different groups that didn't have the buying authority over what that white paper was about. So you're getting unsubscribes and you're, you know, messing with your metrics and so on and so forth. And nothing was really done with it after. I mean, I'd say our content in general was really good content, but it wasn't really built for the funnel. So we'd have some really good top of the funnel content and we'd have some really good bottom of the funnel content, but not a lot in between. Um, So it was a total revamp of the way we thought. And we really had to take a really hard look at our content. Uh, We have an amazing content strategist on our team who has completely revamped the way that we approach our campaign content and even our sales enablement content, um, which has been really refreshing. And it, it helps us drive that wider ABM content strategy and the way that we focus our channels um, in approaching that strategy. And that's just something we didn't have before. Um, and, you know, we were just kept going back to the same well and probably weren't even really looking at, well, yes, we're talking to this person, but then there's all these other groups that are also talking to this person across our various business units and the message isn't consistent. So we've taken a really hard look at how to make sure that we're protecting our list and uh, we're protecting who we're messaging to so that when they do receive content, it's tailored to them and it's for their buying authority. And that it's a consistent voice and a consistent message rather than coming from disparate parts of um, the firm. And I think that that's so important. You know, we talk a lot and actually a, a previous episode with Scott Steiding from Morrison Hirschfield that we had on earlier this season, he spoke a lot about respecting the reader and respecting the audience and, you know, not dumbing it down too much when you're talking to a technical professional, but also, you know, respecting their time, not making something overly verbose when you can get it in in two sentences and being mindful of their time, but then also making sure that you're giving them the right information at the right time and not, you know, overburdening them with too many communication points or ones that are absolutely of no value. So I think that that is some very, very great insights that you're sharing right here with our, with our audience. So I appreciate that. Um, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned a little bit earlier that you kind of threw out this number, you said, you know, we've got roughly 400 marketers in the Americas, which to the average design and construction engineering uh, company here in in the US, that seems like a really, really large number. You know, that's more than a lot of um, large, you know, 
architectural firms all in. So maybe if you dial it back a little bit and you look at your pilot ABM program where you launched it for corporate solutions, what did that team look like? Like, who are you working with to get that up and going? Yeah, honestly, um, we didn't have a demand center um, or a demand team in place when we launched our pilot. All of that was being built with our marketing transformation. Okay. We did work with an agency um, to help us with the execution, Um, but it was really myself and my team. So I have five people on my field team and myself, and we all work together, kind of all hands on deck to um, really dive into what was the account strategy, what were the the problems going on in the account or the opportunities going on in the account um, that we wanted to grow for both prospects as well as current clients. And, um, you know, that's how we really put it together. We did all of our writing in-house for our content and for our emails and then relied upon our agency vendor to execute it through their technology system because our stack um, wasn't where it needed to be at the time. So when I say 400, you know, that's across our entire America's team out of a 90,000 person company. Sure. You have to think that's multiple business units um, across all of the Americas. When I talk about corporate solutions, we have about 50, um, probably less, a little bit less than that, uh, marketers. And um, that includes some global people and um, my team in and of itself are six people. And so today we, you know, still work together. All my field marketers handle their own various um, regional or industry vertical um, ABM programs. We still have very much a one-to-one large account-based marketing program for each of our geographies and verticals, but we do have a demand team of four people that um, helps us with the campaign canvases and our marketing automation system. They help us with our metrics reporting and they do the actual execution for us while we drive the strategy and the um, account uh, relationships. So that um, I think that's really impressive kind of thinking through building building an account-based marketing plan, building a marketing team, building a demand team, and all of that all at the same time. That was a, that was a lot to undertake. Um, I want to pivot just a little bit because in that answer you just gave, you kind of started talking a little bit about technology and automation, which I do think is a lot of what people automatically think about when they think about ABM. You know, they think it's a technology solution and I'm yeah. going to buy this, you know, whiz bang new software and automatically I'm doing ABM. And that's very much not the case. I think you and I both know that. But if we were to isolate the conversation around the tech stack, um, like what does that look like now that you have been fully immersed in ABM now for almost two years, it sounds like. Um, And what does that investment look like both in terms of resources? And um, I don't know if you're able to disclose, you know, are you spending a million dollars a year on technology licensing, or is it, you know, upwards of that, lower than that, um, whatever you might be comfortable sharing. I think that would be interesting and and helpful for our our listeners to better understand. Yeah. I mean, honestly, as far as costs, I I wouldn't even be able to venture a guess because again, we're such a large firm and we have so many licenses across our various technologies that that's handled from a marketing operations perspective. Okay. And from a technology team perspective, so we work with our procurement team to source all of our capital investments for technology. Um, but what I will say is that we started out kind of lean, where we had our 
client relationship management system, our CRM. Um, and we had our marketing automation system, but they weren't talking to each other. So we had to fix that first, um, which we did. We did fix that. And then we started to add on top of it. So we did um, add in demand base, which is a intent monitoring as well as um, advertising tool. Um, and, you know, we do paid social as well. That kind of links in. Um, we are getting more robust around contact acquisition and true predictive intent with technologies that isn't 100% in place yet. But I mean, we didn't have any kind of sales enablement technology. And, and the technologies that we did have, again, they weren't speaking to each other. So we had a lot of data, but we couldn't really make sense of it. And so I think the, the biggest thing that we had to face was a first making all of these tools talk to each other. Um, and, you know, being able to have a centralized data lake repository to gather the data, but then also having clean data. So it's definitely been a journey. Um, I will say that, yeah, technology and ABM technology is definitely not something you plug in. You're like, hey, I have ABM now. Um, they help, but account-based marketing is a strategy. It is a marketing strategy in and of itself. And unless you have the qualified um, professionals you know, leading your account-based marketing program and the right demand professionals um, as a part of your team, um, you can have all the technology you want. You can have the Ferrari of technologies. It's not going to get you what you want from it. I think that's super helpful. So, you know, in kind of wrapping up from our discussion today, there's some main takeaways that I've, I've kind of written down as we've been talking. And the, and the first of it, and I think you've repeated it multiple times, is first and foremost, ABM, account-based marketing, is really a business strategy. You can't think of it as a, you know, set aside marketing tactic. It's not, you know, a sales tactic. It is an all-in business strategy that requires, you know, sales and marketing alignment with top-level support from leadership and from the business unit. Um, you also talked a lot about, you know, education and getting everybody internally on board with what they're signing up with, um, what that level of responsibility looks like, maybe what their role in that client journey and, and that you know, partnership, I think is, is the term that you used in terms of building that partnership with your clients is. And then lastly, kind of technology is great, but it's only part of it. And, you know, even if you have the Ferrari of technology, if you don't have a good plan, you don't have support from the top, that's it, really not going to go anywhere. Is there anything else that you would really um, advise our listeners who might be thinking about implementing an account-based marketing strategy as they're getting their 2020 plans together? Yeah, absolutely. I think first and foremost, you have to be educated in account-based marketing. I think it is kind of an industry buzz right now and everyone's talking about it. And some people are doing it really, really well, but other people are saying they're doing it and they haven't really taken on the full elements of what account-based marketing is. So getting certified, working with best-in-class partners, um, and educating yourself and your team members on what account-based marketing is and can be, I think is really important. Um, and then the other side of the coin is educate your stakeholders because I'll tell you, you know, when we start saying we're going to do account-based marketing, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> 
interesting. You know, like there's, there's pride in ownership of, you know, client contacts and, and accounts. And so it is a really gentle conversation. You can't just be like a bull in a shot trying to stop and run in and say, this is what we're doing. It has to be um, a partnership and you guys have to do it together. And with that, I'd say pilot, find a champion, find somebody that believes in what you're talking about and pilot it. Start small before you try to scale and prove it out and have goals associated with the pilot and KPIs and metrics that you're tracking to and then work on um, scaling it. But really, you know, you have to find that champion in the business that's high enough up that's going to really push it from the top down. I think that's super helpful. Yes, because I mean... Marketing is hard enough in B2B space, but then when you add in design and construction, you know, nuances, you're selling to a, a selection committee sometimes that are not educated on exactly what they're buying or the differences between player A and player B. Having all in participation and support is going to be really, really helpful. And Katie, I really appreciate your time today. I think what you and your team at JLL are doing is great. It's super exciting to see firms in the design and construction space really embrace uh, new business strategies that are that are different than you know dropping a, a business card in a fishbowl at a at a trade show or just taking everybody golfing. So keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep watching from afar and and hopefully see you again at some more conferences. But I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a true pleasure. You've been listening to AEC Marketing for Principals, brought to you by Smartergies. If you like this episode, please let us know by visiting aecmarketingpodcast.com where you can learn more ways to position your brand and sell to owners. 